You were listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 130. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I'm your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Ah, I just love the way that sounds. I tell you what. I tell you what, there are, there are just some some weeks and some days where I just look around and I'm just like, man, <laughs> I am so happy that I'm dealing with this life sober. <laughs> because, man, if I was if I was still relying on that old vice, that old crutch, that 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 old poison, oh my goodness! I mean, beyond the fact that most of the things. I mean, I'd look around, 99% of the life that I have right now would not even be in existence if I was still using. Move past that part. And just imagine that if right now, here in this moment, like, I was still drinking, it just, my goodness gracious, it would be chaos in my head. I would be emotionally up and down. I'd be wrought with anger and resentment. And it's just... Now when stressors come and, and when uncertainty comes and when when my mind starts to do that Jesse thing where it just gets a little discombobulated and it's not sure what it's supposed to do right now. And I just sort of spin around my room and in my office and I'm just like, my imagination starts running wild and I'm like, whoa, reel it in, bro. Thank God I get to do a sober. <laughs> I just got done doing the College Success Habits podcast. I do that one first because I really feel like it warms me up for this one. Like I love that show. I love being able to talk to to that to that niche of people, the ones that are still in school, the middle school, high school, college kids, the non-traditional students. I mean, this this show reaches over 140 countries. That one it's similar. I think it's more like 125 last I counted. I mean, I get like one listener in Ukraine and Botswana, but hey, I'm counting that as a country. I don't know how those people found me. It could have been a it could have been a bot for all I know, but I'm counting it cuz I don't know if it's a bot. So I'm counting it. So when I talk in that one, you know, and obviously I'm in the United States, um so I'm talking mostly about my experiences here. And that episode was about bullying and about how uh, when somebody is bullying, when you see negative behavior toward you or others, it's more about that bully's uh, own personal, their their personal behavior is a reflection of the state of their relationship with themselves rather than a statement about the your value as a person. So if you have any kind of issues with that, while it's framed around the high school, college, and, and workplace kind of scenes, you can easily slide yourself right into that story if you feel like you're being bullied or if you see people who are being bullied. And I, and I bring up three really powerful laws for success that I learned through NLP, and I talk about two of my powerful principles within that episode. So if you would like more information about bullying, um, how you can be able to move through that emotionally and grow through it, actually, if you know somebody who's experienced that in their lives, I would highly recommend you send them over to College Success Habits in episode 110. We'll cover that. Today, we're going to talk about self-sabotage. And the reason why we're talking about self-sabotage is I went on a little bit of a diatribe, uh, one of my favorite words to discuss my... <laughs> 
Oh, I, I call them inspirational effusions over on my IGTV account. Um, a diatribe is a forceful and um, it says bitter when you look up the definition. I just believe that it's a forceful, it's a forceful and bitter verbal attack against someone or something. That's not how I always saw a diatribe. I thought it was just like a very impassioned, uh, a, a very impassioned way of speaking about something. Uh, perhaps I should have Googled the definition of diatribe before I started throwing it around. Uh, even the synonyms like tirade, uh, harangue, which is spelled harangui, so that's totally verbal onslaught, um, ooh, verbal attack, ooh, a denunciation, broadside, a fulmination, a condemnation, um, a reproval, a rebuke. There's so many different words, and none of them. <laughs> Are the ones I want to be using right now. Castigation uh, sounds a little bit too much like castration for me. So we're just going to walk away from that one. Um, I've always thought that diatribe was more about just having a very uh, forceful and powerful um, stance on a particular stub- subject, just being very passionate about something in particular that you're talking about. That apparently isn't how other people want to see that definition, and that's on them. That's too bad. I think my definition is way more empowering, so we're just going to call my definition the right definition because that's what we do on this show. I say things, and I declare them correct. (laughs) So moving forward, a diatribe is a very passionate way of discussing something that I care a lot about. And so I went off on a diatribe after that diatribe. I went off on a diatribe about self-sabotage on my IGTV show the other day, and it was supposed to be about seven minutes long, and it turned into about a half an hour because that's the Jesse way as well. And it was really awesome, and I really I really enjoyed doing that. And, you know, whether other people watch it is, you know, that is whatever it is. Sometimes I just hit record and just start to talk, and let's just see what hilariousness comes out of my mouth today. So that's where we're at, guys. Episode 130. Welcome to the show. <laughs> So, I've been getting a ton of of, uh, listener messages on Instagram lately, and it's uh, I've always gotten a fair amount, but it seems like it's ratcheting up. And um, did I mention that you guys have turned from sobriety to recovery into a top ten podcast on Spotify? in the mental health and addiction awareness field? Did you guys know that? I get emails from from Spotify and Podbean telling me how well the show's doing and I'm crushing it on Spotify. So uh thanks guys because uh when you go search for my for the show, I'm showing up high up in the rankings and that's because of y'all. That is because of you guys finding the show. So just thank you so much because I've been over here doing this for 130 episodes and I barely do any marketing for it. So people who find it are finding it organically. And uh, I just cannot say enough about how much I appreciate you all turning in and tuning in, not turning in. That would be more like you're going to bed. Tuning in and listening to the show. So when you say nice things to me on Instagram about how much I'm helping you and guiding you in your recovery, I can assure you getting these messages just it fuels me to continue to do this for another 130, to just know that people are absorbing what I say and they're implementing it in their lives and it's making a powerful change. To be one of the many ways that you are seeking these conduits of change in yourself, it just, it is so 
it just feels so good. So thank you. Smile from ear to ear over here. And one of my uh, newest messages, uh, really cool gentleman. I didn't get permission to say his name on the mic, so I won't. But uh, I told you I was going to shout out and, and say something about the messages that we were typing about today. So uh, you'll know I'm talking about you now because I just said that. And uh, one of the cool things that he wrote over here, I asked him, what was what was something about recovery that surprised you and yet you weren't expecting? And uh, his response was what surprised him about recovery is how content he, how content he is with life. And it no longer is it by the end of the day and he gets out of work, is he looking to get high or use? That just watching uh, his favorite TV show or petting his dog uh, in life, um, even the thoughts about it, it is just, it's better that this uh, disease isn't tricking him into thinking that he just needs to be out there using, that he can now go for walks and enjoy weather and just be content with that and that not wanting more. It's just enough in the moment to just be. And that just, I mean, I got shivers just repeating all of that. And, and then he finishes up with, when you're using, it's never enough. When you're sober, it always is. And I'm telling you what, put that on a freaking t-shirt and trademark it right there. When you're using, it's never enough. When you're sober, it always is. I'm going to post the meme I responded with uh, from The Simpsons that says, an addict isn't someone who takes too many drugs. It's someone who can't take enough. And I'm not really sure that it was a meme from The Simpsons. Somebody may have just taken that that quote and dropped it over, over a white screen that Lisa Simpson's standing in front of, but the power is still there. An addict isn't someone who takes too many drugs. It's someone who can't take enough. And when this listener wrote, when you're using, it's never enough. When you're sober, it always is. I mean, that just speaks volumes because it's so right. When you're using, it's like there's never enough beers. There was never enough Coke. There was never enough acid. It was always more. It's like, what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm on six drugs, and oh, now you want to throw me some ketamine? Let's, I mean, let's see if my brain will just melt through my ears right now. That was just the way that I was, and it was, it was, it was bad. It almost killed me, and it almost killed many of you. And here's the thing: is that once we begin to realize that our behavior is destroying our lives, that's when we can no longer blame self-sabotage for creating the life that we have. And that's why we're going to talk today. Our main topic is going to be about self-sabotage. Because I really want you guys to, to really pull it out of your blind spot and really bring it into your self-awareness that once you realize that you've been sabotaging yourself, once you realize that your behaviors and your actions and your emotions and your thoughts about your emotions and your behaviors and your actions have been creating your results, you don't get to keep blaming it on self-sabotage. And here's why. Self-sabotage is when you are unconsciously habituated to a certain action that brings you an undesirable result. The key word in that sentence is that when you are unconsciously habituated, when you don't realize that this particular behavior is bringing you this undesirable result, 
that's when you can start to, that's when you call it self-sabotage. And generally, you don't even know to call it self-sabotage until it's been brought out of the unconscious and brought to the conscious awareness. And then you can say, oh, I've been self-sabotaging myself the whole time. A relationship's going really well. So I flirt with somebody else in front of my partner so that they get really pissed off because I can't have good relationships. I don't deserve good relationships. I'm not worthy of love. So now that I feel love from this person and I'm bringing love into their lives, I must implode this relationship as fast as possible because I don't deserve what I feel. When you do that and you don't realize all of that all that underlying current is that you don't think you deserve love, so when you feel love and it's being reciprocated, you then destroy it. When you don't realize that's why you're doing it, then you can call it self-sabotage once you realize you're doing it. In the moment, you just thought you were being friendly with somebody at the bar. Sober or not, you might still find yourself at a bar. So just move past the fact that I just said the word bar. If you're not into bars, maybe it was at a bookstore. Hell, it could have been at the movie theater. It could have been at the park, at a free concert. Wherever it might be, you're finding yourself flirting with someone right in front of your partner, and now the relationship implodes, all because you don't think that you deserve love. But now that I've brought this into your conscious awareness, it was self-sabotage then. If you continue to do it now, it's just a crappy choice. I know, I know, you'd like it to continue to be self-sabotage. You don't want to be told that your choices are shitty. You don't want to be told that you now know to do better, so therefore you can do better. No, Jesse, no, come on. We don't want that level of personal responsibility in our lives. No, 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 no. When we finally start to feel financially secure, of course we should go spend our money on something stupid so our bank account empties out. When we're having a great time at, a, at an event, of course we should say something inappropriate so that it throws a porcupine in the middle of everybody's conversation and now everyone's lashing out at each other. Because we can't have a good time without there being drama. No! Once you realize that you're doing these things, then it's just a crappy-ass choice, y'all. It's not self-sabotage anymore. And continuously framing it around, well, I'm just emotionally immature. I just make poor decisions. I just don't know any better. No, you do. You know you know better because you just told me that you don't know that you don't know better. Wait, that was confusing. When you say to me, well, I just don't know any better, that tells me that you do. You're just being unmotivated and uninspired to do better. I could have used the word lazy there, but I don't think people are inherently lazy. I don't think the word lazy is often used correctly. There's someone in my neighborhood who leaves their front gate cracked open by like a foot. And I've asked, I've asked my girlfriend multiple times, I wonder why they do that. And her response is, they're just lazy. They don't close it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not it. Because I've watched them walk in that gate and then physically close it just a little bit, but not all the way. It's not lazy. Lazy is not the appropriate word there. There might be a cat that they like to feed, or maybe there's they seem like they think it's friendly. I don't know. It honestly doesn't bother me. It's not doing anything wrong. I'm just really 
curious, but it's not lazy. And when we throw that word lazy around, I think we do it inappropriately, oftentimes because we're just not creative enough to actually find the real word that it is. I'm curious about the gate. I have no doubt that there is a specific reason why that that gate is always left ajar, because it's consistently left ajar. It's not lazy. It's probably not even unmotivated or uninspired. There's a particular reason why it's being done. So now let's take it back to what I was saying before about I don't think that when people aren't making better choices that they're lazy. Oftentimes, it's probably a lot less effort to just do the action that would lead you to a desirable result than it is to do the action that leads you to the undesirable result. And let's let's really put this under a microscope for a second. Why would that be? Why would it be more advantageous for your level of effort to do the more desirable action than the undesirable action? Okay, let's start off with the desirable action. What would that lead you to if you do the desirable action? If you don't flirt with the other person, if you don't burn through your money, if you show up on time to meetings or to lunches, or you show respect to the people in your home, you show respect to people that are strangers. What would that do as far as level of effort? And let's throw in time too. Well, when you do desirable things around those people, now you're getting positive emotions, positive effects from that. Positivity is sent out by you, so positivity comes back to you. You don't have to worry about the negative emotions, which can swirl around in your head. You don't have to worry about all the time that it might take for you to make up for those actions. So let's let's bring in it. Come on, come on, undesirable. Come on, let's let's bring in the undesirable result now. So let's say that you do the undesirable action. You flirt with somebody else. You spend all of your money. You act like an asshole to strangers or to people in your own home or your coworkers. Think about all the effort you have to then make and use in your life and time that you have to put in to make amends for that or to justify why you did that and all the mental gymnastics, all the wordplay, all of just the BS Right, All that conflict language that you have to now start to pull out and try to create a fashionable, uh, fashionable is not the right word, a reasonable excuse for your undesirable behavior. Rather than being able to have a well-formed reason for performing the desirable behavior, because that's going to bring positivity back to you. That's going to help you up-level your life. You're going to be, you're going to feel more empowered. You're going to feel more um, willing to do things outside of your comfort zone more often because when you've done them in the past, they've led to desirable places and that brings you joy and you feel happy. And now you're resetting the bar of your happiness, which we all know has been thrown askew by addiction The things that once made us happy just don't make us happy year after year after year in addiction because when you're using, it's never enough. But when you're sober, it's always enough. It's just the right amount of enough. There's the joy and the beauty of a sunrise sober. There's the joy and the beauty of going to an aquarium or a zoo or a movie or a concert sober and being present in the moment and remembering it and feeling into it 
And if you've taken any NLP from me, you know, from my listeners out there who've, who've worked with me, then you've been able to anchor that in with your, with your modalities and your submodalities. And now you're feeling stronger and more powerful. And now you're remembering it more desirably. And now you can't wait for the next time you get to go out and do even more of these amazing actions that lead you to this desirable result. But when you want to sit here and do the undesirable thing, and you know better, so therefore you should be doing better, but instead you just don't. Again, crappy-ass choice, not self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is absolutely unconsciously performing a behavior that leads you to an undesirable result. But once you know that you're doing that, then you're just choosing to do that. And if it's not lazy, and if it's not unmotivated, and if it's not uninspired, then what is it? What is it that would lead you to continuously behaving in a way that brings you undesirable results? There can be a secondary gain that comes from sticking with old behaviors, even when you know they no longer are benefiting you that they're no longer serving your highest purpose. Perhaps you enjoy getting the intention of all the negative feedback around your, your behavior. Perhaps you like it when people pull you aside and show you a lot of attention to help guide you from this negative behavior to a more positive behavior. That's a secondary gain. Telling everybody that you're depressed all the time, so everyone's, they call you a lot, they want to take you out to lunch, they want to shower you with attention because they seek to help pull you out of your depressed state. Therefore, even when you're not necessarily full-on depressed, you still tell people you're depressed because you know you're going to get all of this attention. That's a secondary gain. Now, I'm not talking about the medical depression that actually, you know, is seriously like we've got to pull you out of the depths of hell, right? That there, there is that, and I'm not belittling that. But a lot of people want to walk around and say they're depressed when they're just having a, when they just had a sad moment that lasted a couple minutes, right? Emotions only last between one to three minutes, like the real emotion that came from a particular event. The rest of the emotion that you're feeling 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, one day, 20 days, 200 days, 20 years later. That's the rumination. That's the spiraling in to that moment when that negative emotion happened to you. That's you ruminating on it. That's you. That's just you pouring that negative event, that negative memory, that negative emotion into a crock pot, just turning it on low and just stewing the hell out of it for days and weeks and months and years. That's not depressed. That's just you spiraling down your own abyss to hell. That's self-sabotage only in as much as that you didn't know that that was self-sabotage until I just made sure I pulled that out of your unconscious awareness and, and set it right down in front of you and said, if you are replaying a sad, undesirable moment over and over and over and over again in your head, That is you ruminating on it rather than seeking to figure out a way to understand why you behave that way. Take a little lesson from it. Say, okay, this is why I lashed out. This is why I yelled. This is why I showed up late. Now let me figure out how I can be better the next time. Living in our own bullshit, swirling through our own crap, ruminating on our own sad moments. This isn't going to benefit us long term. 
we want to stop. And somebody mentioned recently in one of the DMs they sent me over, um, same guy actually, about stepping. He, he's getting ready to move into step four. And um, that's obviously, uh, there's a lot of work there, right? Like any of you who've done the steps, then you know full well that step four is taking this, right? Doing this moral inventory of yourself. You're determining the root cause of your drinking. Uh, you're identifying any weaknesses that may have contributed to the alcoholism. Uh, and again, I'm not a big fan of the word weaknesses, but this is this is some of the stuff I found in my research. And then you're understanding like how you can find these personal strengths and that, that can support your self discovery. You're doing this fearless moral inventory of yourself. So whether you did the steps or not, when you find yourself behaving in a way that is undesirable. And now you're aware of it, so it no longer gets to be self-sabotage. It just gets to be you continuously making these poor choices for yourself. Now, and again, whether you did AA or not, whether you ever did step work or not, doesn't mean that the steps aren't dope as hell. Just because I didn't go to meetings doesn't mean I still haven't gone through all the steps and seriously journal a lot about those. Hell, I don't go to Refuge Recovery anymore, and I still go through their four truths quite frequently. I've got both, the Refuge Recovery book and the Big Blue book, in my closet on my bookshelf as we speak. I think they're fascinating reads. The point being is that when you start to think about step four and about how you start to do this really amazing moral inventory, this gives you the opportunity to really start to look at your self-sabotaging ways, that old version of you, and start saying, okay, well, now I know that that behavior then was self-sabotage because it was unconscious, but now I'm conscious about it. And now that I'm conscious about it, I'm going to choose differently. I'm no longer going to ruminate on old emotions. I'm no longer going to beat myself up about old behaviors. You can go and make your amends. You can go and apologize to people. You know, by all means, you know, do what you need to do in order to make sure that people understand that you that you're changing. You know, that's important. If it's important to you, then make it happen. Right? That's why I think they put that off into step nine. Is that you want when you want to go make those direct amends to people uh, when possible, and of course, there's that one little, there's that, there's that nice little part at the end of it. Except when it could do injury to yourself or others, right? But there's a reason why that's nine. You've taken this moral inventory of yourself at four, and now you're seeking as you move closer to the end of the steps to now go make amends. When you realize that this behavior you were doing back then was sabotaging yourself, and now it's in your seat of conscious awareness. You can now make the amends that you need to toward those people if there was other people that your self-sabotage was negatively affecting. But where I really want to make sure I, I build this bridge for you is when you realize that oftentimes in step nine, that person that you might need to be making amends to the most is yourself. Forgive yourself. Apologize to yourself. Make amends to yourself. Forgive yourself. Holding on to the past and whipping the, your own ass about it over and over and over again isn't going to be your way towards empowerment and enlightenment. There's something that devout followers 
of religion do where they take like some sort of whip and they'll sit there in like their prayer position and they'll take this whip and they'll just keep whipping it over right it's, it's their hand and it's whipping it right over their shoulder and just wow lash lash i've seen it in movies and stuff and i don't know what the term is and i don't even know what the apparatus is that's whipping themselves but they're doing that because they want to make penance to their lord in order to make up for sins that they've done i don't see how that's really that beneficial <laughs> especially if you just continuously do it for the rest of your life to yourself. Like, okay, you did something crappy back in the day. You're seeking to become a better person. Make, take that moral inventory, figure out what it was that created that work your way through that. And with NLP, look, come take NLP from me. I've got so many badass ways for you to be able to release your sufferings and, and the sabotaging and the pain that you feel and the pain that you felt and the, and the, and the rumination that you're doing to yourself. Man, I'm telling you what, there's like 18 ways to Sunday to help you move through that in a very healthy way. And one that feels congruent and whole and healthy. And once you've done that, you can move your way towards step nine where you make amends to yourself, absolutely, and then to others. And then if they want to keep whipping your ass about something that you did a year or two or 20 years ago, like you're creating your future from the present. And if somebody else thinks that you're creating your your future from the past, that's on them. And like I talked about in the College Success Habits episode right before this one, Another person's behavior towards you is a direct reflection of the state of their relationship with themselves. If they have the audacity to say things like, people don't change, you are who you've always been, oh, look at you just being the same old version of Jesse that you've always been, if they aren't willing and able to see the new version of you, then make the decision whether you still want that person to be a prominent fixture in your life. It might be hard to release someone who's been in your life for years. It might be hard to cut off a family member from being in direct contact with you on a day-to-day basis, especially if you live in the same house with them. But if they aren't willing to start to see the changes that you're making, how you're releasing the self-sabotaging behavior and you're stepping into a seat, your seat of personal responsibility, if they can't begin to notice the changes in you, then you, if you can't sit them down and have a vulnerable, open-hearted conversation about how you're seeking to create your future from your present and anything that you did in the past, you have now learned from and you have moved through. You've left the pain and the suffering back there with that memory. You brought the lesson up in order for it to empower you to become a better version of yourself today, thus creating a more empowered sense of self awaiting you tomorrow. If they can't sit down with you and understand that you're on this journey, then you have to decide how much of this journey they get to be a part of. And if you yourself can't have this conversation with yourself, then you have to decide which version of you wants to keep flogging you with this whip over and over and over again about things that you did in the past 
you can't go back into the past and change them. Marty McFly and Doc Brown and Einstein the dog aren't showing up in a DeLorean saying, hey, let's go back to 1995 and not sleep with your fraternity brother's girlfriend. Unfortunately, that opportunity hasn't come to pass, and I don't see it happening. So I just have to forgive myself for that behavior. If I ever run into that fraternity brother again, I will seek my, the best way I know how to make amends to that man for behavior 19-year-old Jesse did. But I'm not going to whip this 45-year-old version of Jesse's ass for something 19-year-old Jesse did. I will take the lesson from there. I will not abuse someone's trust. I will not lie to people to their face. I will I will love my, my brother and I will support my brother and I won't badmouth my brother like I did this particular gentleman back when I was 19. I won't do those things anymore. I will take the lesson and I will be a better version of myself today for that behavior then. When I caused that car accident in my 300ZX, I anchored that into my memory and I told myself I would never behave that way again. If you want to go back to episode 126, you can hear more about that story. When uh, I was picked on in in middle school and high school, and then I turned around and picked on somebody else in middle school, I told myself that just because I'm being bullied doesn't give me the right to bully someone else. That is not how I will reclaim my power. When I walked away from a relationship and realized I did not treat the female as positively as she deserved, not necessarily just because she was anyone other than just an amazing human being who deserves to be treated well and loved and and treated better than I did, then I, I would write them a letter. I would do my best in those moments to make my amends. And then I would swear I would never treat another woman past that the way I treated her. There's one woman in particular, the first girlfriend I had in Orlando, when I dropped out of Ball State, who very much still got frat boy Jesse. And I'll never forget writing her a letter and just apologizing for not supporting her and ridiculing her and just overall just not being the loving person I told her I was, that I had shown her brief glimpses of but couldn't maintain. And I remember giving her that letter and saying, you do with it whatever you want. I know when I hug you, I hug you tonight and you leave my house that we'll never see each other again. And I just wish you nothing but the best. And even though she lived less than a handful of miles away and worked less than half a mile from my new job, we never saw each other again. And I can only hope the best for that person. But I learned valuable lessons from it. And that's what I want you to do as well. I want you to take these unconscious behaviors that we have now brought into your seat of awareness. And whether we did it in this episode, whether we've done it in other episodes, whether your sponsor or your mentor or someone in a meeting or your therapist or your psychiatrist, someone out there, maybe it's me, it's probably other people as well, have brought behaviors out of your unconscious and slapped them down on the table and said, this is what you're doing. Let's figure out why you're doing it. That's awesome. That is healing, that is, that is overcoming the suffering, and that is becoming the best version of you possible when you do that for yourself. When you take these negative, undesirable behaviors and you slap them down on the table and said, let's figure out the motivation for doing these so that we can start to empower ourselves to behave better, that's amazing. But, but, if you continue to do those behaviors then it's not self-sabotage anymore. It's just you making a shitty choice. 
And if you're 130 episodes into this show, (laughs) I know you are not happy making shitty choices. (laughs) I know you are not happy being alerted to that there's a better version of yourself waiting on the other side. And all you need to do is implement, apply, and evaluate what we've discussed here today. But I know you're capable of doing it because I've heard from thousands of you in one way or another that you can and you have and you will continue to do it. I have faith in you. If you don't have faith in you, then have faith that when I say I have faith in you, it's because I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come out of the fire. And at some point in their addiction recovery, they have the buckets ready to help somebody else come out of the fire. Self-sabotage was our old self. Our new self is self-aware. We manage our emotions in a healthy manner. And we are ready to seek ways to maintain our sobriety and recovery so that we can continue down a path where we realize we are enough. You are enough. When you're using, you never think it's enough. You never think you're enough when you're using. Other people aren't enough when you're using. The world is not enough when you're using. The moment you step into sobriety, you open up an entire new world in front of you. And it's through your own self-discovery. It's through your own journey from sobriety toward and through and into and beyond the amazingness that is addiction recovery. It's in this entire journey that you begin to step into the empowerment that shows you that when you're sober, it is enough. You're enough. Your loved ones are enough. The world is enough. Every day is the best day of your life, my life, our lives, when we wake up sober. Because we have a clear mind. We have a clear heart. And it's through the clear mind, it's through the clear heart that we're able to see that we are enough. We can continue to grow. Just because we know, just because we think we're enough, doesn't mean we want to stop growing. It doesn't mean, oh, 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 I'm enough, Jesse. I'm enough. So I, don't, I so that means I don't have to work anymore. I don't have to try. I don't have to read. I don't have to write. I don't have to grow. I don't have to go my steps. I don't have to do none of this. Right? You said I'm enough. Come on, come on. You know that's not what I mean here. Just because you want to grow and you want to seek more and better and, and, and grow other people and have more money and have more success or have more happiness and joy and love in your life, that doesn't mean that you don't think you're enough now. You are enough now. And you can also seek more from yourself tomorrow by making positive actions and desirable steps today that lead you toward your most empowered sense of self. And now that you know all of this, you are ready to release self-sabotage, aren't you? In fact, you've released self-sabotage at some point during this podcast and you didn't even realize it. And that, my friends, that, my friends, is empowerment. That is how you step into your highest sense of self. Be the personal responsible person that you have always known is inside of you. If you seek more ways to dive deeper into this, I have told you how to get a hold of me. 
countless times, but I'll do it again. Feel free to DM me over on Instagram at from sobriety to recovery at Jesse Mogul. By all means, you can email me at from sobriety to recovery at gmail.com. However, you would like to reach out, please stand up, step forward, raise your hand. It's your turn. I will call on you. As always, inclusivity of exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. What did I just say a second ago? Oh, yeah. Every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up sober. Shout out to sunshine. Glow on. See you next week. Bye-bye.